tonight on Unsolved Mysteries. Down on the farm, trucker death, the miracle staircase, and follow the shadow. co-host crystal and i'm your other co-host robert and this is reenacted a program where the two of us watch one so crushing segment of unsolved mysteries after another um it's kind of like mystery science theater but not in space and there's no robots yes and a lot more homicide hey uh robbie (laughs) Normally, well, normally, as in the last couple of times we've done this, I we've been recording in the morning, so yeah. this is this is evening pod. Is it cooler in that room now? Yeah, it's a lot cooler. Okay, <laughs> it was still pretty warm today, but I was just going to differentiate the difference uh, between evening pod and morning pod is usually my choice of beverage. Okay. What, what, oh, you're drinking. You're drinking a beverage. Yeah, uh, I, so you, I, I I heard it. Yes. Oh well, that was water. Oh, that was water. I'm always drinking water when we do pod. You got to stay hydrated. But guess what? Instead of a coffee-based drink, I am drinking a, a alcohol-based drink. What are you drinking? I'm having a Paloma. A- that is uh, tequila and grapefruit soda. I like how you knew me enough that you just automatically assumed I needed an explanation for that, I, which is correct. <laughs> you know, I don't, outside of the American Southwest and Mexico, I don't know how popular a Paloma is. It's often overshadowed by Margarita as a, uh, you've heard of a Margarita, right? I have. Mm-hmm. The, well, the, this is, uh, this is the, uh, I've been told the national drink of Mexico, in fact. It's not the Margarita. It's the Paloma. Fascinating. So just put that in your little pipe and smoke it. Robbie, I was also thinking about, you know, we're having, I'm having a summer drink. It's summertime. Uh, It's county fair, state fair season. Mm -hmm. Kids are are almost ready to go back to school. But I was thinking, man, I wish I was going to a fair this year. And I'm not. And I'm very sad about it. And mostly what I'm sad about is I'm missing out on fair food. Is that like uh, like free food, only ethically sourced from the <laughs> from the <laughs> points of origin, and then uh, no, you know, fair food. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, deep you're, fried and terrible for you. Yeah, you eat them once a year at the county fair or the state fair. Personally. I like a freshly dipped corn dog. That is my go-to. A corn dog. That that's yes. fascinating. Yeah, I liked a lot. Of, I liked the slaver that shit in yellow mustard. Mm-hmm. Like a nice fresh. You gotta get it freshly dipped, where they put it in the corn batter and then they put it in the fryer. Yeah, you know, I used to be as a kid. I used to be very heavy on the ketchup and was not into mustard at all. Mm. Mm. And I feel like one of the inversion points where I ceased to be a kid and became an adult is when I flipped and I was totally now all in on mustard, mm-hmm. mustard on my hot dogs, mustard on my corn mm-hmm. dogs, mm-hmm. Uh, ketchup still on the hamburgers. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Yeah. Totally uh, agree. So, ooh, uh, that's interesting. Corn dogs. Yeah. What do you What do you like to get at the fair? Well, this isn't a thing, but I wish it was. Okay. <laughs> can, <laughs> I I just had this vision of can you ima- like imagine if there was like a thing where you could go up and you could order like a ten pound brick of vanilla ice cream. You like in a like a cardboard container. Um, it probably like originally came in a cardboard container in the back, uh-huh. and they just like completely opened up the the cardboard thing and drop it on a you know some sort mm-hmm. of tray or whatever and hand it to you. Mm-hmm. How big? How big would that be? Like, what's the what's the how how much weight is in a standard sort of carton of ice cream? That's like what two um, three pounds. Yeah, weight. Yeah, I'm thinking of volume. I don't know about weight. So if you got one of those like grocery store brand cardboard boxes, shit, do they even sell those anymore? Oh, I'm, t- I'm, ooh, you know that's an interesting, interesting. You brought that up. I've noticed that most of the ice cream I I see in the Smith's grocery store in Dayton, Nevada, mm-hmm. they come in sort of circular, cont- mm-hmm. you know, either like uh, a cylinder, you know, tall cylinder or a flatter sort of. You know, not not an oval, but you know, slightly rounded, but not mm-hmm. but not really. You don't. I don't think I really have seen any in the just sort sort of a brick shaped box. It's been a minute, I think, since I've seen it. But I typically remember it being like the Safeway brand. You know, the store brand ice cream comes yeah. in the brick. So what I'm picturing in your ten pound ice cream scenario is probably like four. To five of those bricks. Very good, Crystal. In my mind, I was picturing about four, uh, the equivalent of four of those bricks as well. Excellent. Oh um, man, that would so, be so much ice cream. Do you? So you just want plain vanilla ice cream? You don't want hot fudge? You don't want them to like put a chocolate shell on it? You don't want nuts? You just want at the fair, right? On a hot day, you want that much dairy? Yeah, the novelty is just in the sheer volume of it. Hmm. But, you don't want it deep fried. Well, I I would be open to deep fried ice cream, but I feel like mm-hmm. I would I would want that in a smaller amount. But okay. But but okay. but to 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 actually give you like a real answer in terms of something that would actually be served at a fair. Uh-huh. Uh You know. Uh, gosh, I really, uh, I enjoy Indian tacos. Now, what makes, I know this is like a Northern Nevada regional specialty, but I have to admit I've never had one. Oh, okay. So what is that? Gosh, um, it's like, so instead of a, you know, how a normal taco will have like a tortilla and it's really, the, 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 wait, wait, a what? Excuse me? What did I say? I don't know. I think you should repeat yourself. <laughs> Tortilla? Sure. God. C- Connor, if that what I just, just said was embarrassing, please edit that out. I'm afraid I can't do that. So instead of a, 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 the word you just said, it, what is the bread of the Indian taco? Uh, instead of like a flat, malleable sh- uh, shell, it is... It's like thicker, like it's sort of like maybe it has sort of the density of like pita bread. Okay. So it's really heavy on that carbohydrate uh, volume, mm-hmm. and it just had you know it has a lot of 
ground beef and all all the other stuff you'd find in in, in a taco. It's just it's just there's a lot of it, and you can't really eat it like I mean you can't really smush mm. it together. So you just sort okay. of. I think you really have to use, like, a knife and a fork. Would you compare the texture of it to, like, um, maybe, like, a Taco Bell chalupa? Yeah. Yeah, actually, you're very good, yes. I would say okay. that would be, that's sort of what we're talking about. But I also feel like, take a chalupa, the, the, mm-hmm. the bread part of a chalupa, and make mm-hmm. it, stack three of those up. And I think that's the sort of density we're talking about. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Like you are wow. not you are not folding this. Um, no. Yeah. This is like some somewhere. It's like a hybrid flatbread and a taco. It sounds like. Basically, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, I had some interesting. This is a momentous occasion in food that I had today. It's Ooh. interesting that you bring up the Indian taco because I had sort of an Indian taco today. Okay. Um, don't need, no, the, don't know uh, why I needed to explain it to you then, but uh, no, no, no. This is a little different than the thing I knew. I knew the thing you were talking about existed. I just never had one. Yeah, I've seen it advertised. I I know that this is like a regional specialty. Um, the thing I had today at lunch was an actual tortilla-based taco. Okay, but it had chicken tikka masala as Ooh. the filling. With some uh, vegetable, I think you say uh, pakoras, pakoras, the uh, dipped in chickpea flour and deep fried, like crispy vegetable. Okay. So that's the Indian taco I had today. <laughs> because it's food from India, I see. Yeah, yeah. So, but weirdly, okay, mm-hmm. I also had chicken tikka masala pizza last night. Where was this at a restaurant? Um, yeah, I ordered out um, from a from a pizza place. What was the pizza place? Um, Never mind, you can't remember. No, uh, I can't because I didn't actually go there. I had it delivered, but then, they had chicken tikka masala pizza, and then I had chicken tikka masala tacos today. You're uh, you're really visiting the Indian subcontinent with your cuisine choices. Here's the thing. If you put chicken tikka masala on a bread, Mm -hmm. any kind of bread, whether it's a tortilla or pizza dough or non bread. Mm -hmm. It works. It works. It's funny. Like, that also sounds like something I would do if my refrigerator was really empty. It's like, well, I got some Mm -hmm. leftover tikka masala. And I got half a bag of tortilla shells. Let's mm. let's go. I, oftentimes, most of my food, because uh, I can't cook, which mm. you you can vouch for. I don't feel like that's correct. Uh, I feel like you made some nice food for me the last time I came to your house, and I appreciated it and enjoyed it a lot. You, uh, I, 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 looking when I think back to that, I, I feel huh. like you really appreciated the effort I put into it. Uh, and especially seeing as how I spent at least four or five hours cooking oh my it. God, Robbie. <laughs> no, I well, you made. I remember you made a very nice stew. Yeah. And there were some issues with the, uh, if I recall, the falafel mix, but that was okay. And then we had something else that was very nice. Yeah. As well. Yeah. But you know, I'm thinking you put some chicken tikka masala on some uh, tortilla chips. You're halfway to chilaquiles. 
Well, what is she? She like. He, he, oh man, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta. Get, oh man. Uh, chilaquiles, it's usually served at breakfast, but it's like you take tortilla chips or like triangles of tortillas. Mm hmm. And then you fry them up in like a red enchilada sauce, and then you put toppings mm. on them that you would make. Like, usually eggs, maybe, like, chorizo or some kind of other meat. Ah, okay. Um, cheese, sour cream, beans. It's basically nachos that have been doused in, like, red sauce Ooh. before adding toppings. I would and totally I'm, eat that. Uh, yeah, they're real good, but I'm thinking chicken tikka masala on some tortilla chips. That's Indian chilaquiles right there. Oh, yum, yum. So this isn't actually a food podcast. <laughs> As much as I would like it to be. Uh, Robbie, you know what we haven't done in a little while? Uh, what have we not and, done in a little while? And the fans have been asking for is uh, have a reading session from Straight Shootin', the autobiography by Robert Stack. Parentheses with Mark Evans. <laughs> Which I feel like usually that means that's the person who actually wrote it, right? Probably. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, I found a real juicy little story in here about Errol Flynn. The Errol Flynn? That's right. God, yeah, they. It, it, it's easy to, like, I, you know, to forget that Robert Stack was so long-lived that he actually interacted mm -hmm. with many of the, these legends from the 1930s and 40s. Yeah, he would have been pretty young, I think, when he was running around with these guys, but... yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to read a little story about, uh, uh, Robert Stack's retelling of, of some antics that Errol Flynn got up to. So are we ready? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> there was, of course, the other Errol. I spent one miserable dinner at his house refereeing a nonstop battle between him and his pretty new wife, Norma. After a couple of hours, the dialogue rose to this. What can you do with a bastard like that? Norma would demand. It takes a bitch to know a bastard, Flynn would respond. Finally, the battle came to an end, with Norma shouting, We don't have one damn thing in common! And as if on cue, Errol jumped out of the chair, ran upstairs, ran back down, and threw a monstrous rubber dildo onto the middle of the table. <laughs> we have one! The paragraph ends with Robert Stack saying, I went home. God. Uh, well, Crystal, congratulations because you have found something that I would not even have like put in my top ten thousand guesses for something that would be in auto Robert Stack's autobiography. Well, there it is. Wow. So that's that's interesting. The uh, dildo and the. Uh... Errol Flynn household. What's what's being implied by that story when the wife says we don't have anything in common, and Errol Flynn uh, runs upstairs to get the the household dildo, one assumes, uh, and he slams it down on the table. He's saying we have this in common. Is this a, now? That, that, is this a, that he's gay? This, right. I don't know that it means he's gay. I just assume that the dildo has a, maybe a shared use between husband and wife. Like they take turns or they use it in a, in a teamwork manner? Robbie, I have no idea. 
Okay. Robert well, Stack didn't get into all that. Yeah, I, I, I have the feeling that Robert Stack must have been very uncomfortable in the uh, this this household altercation. Not not even so much because of the sex toy coming up, but because you know when you're over at someone's place, a couple's place, and they're fighting, you, you can't you can't really participate in the yard fight. And you can't just leave, no. so you sort of just have to stand off in one corner of the room and just be mm-hmm. as quiet as possible. Mm-hmm. Man, mm-hmm. really? Well, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you found something. <laughs> oh, hey, uh, sh- should we talk about an episode of Unsolved Mysteries? Our first segment. It takes us back to the uh, late eighties, I think eighty nine. So it's it's really kind of uh, it uh, contemporary to the show. Season three, episode ten of oh. Unsolved Mysteries. Oh yeah, yeah. We should probably mention that we're going to Mississippi. Uh, I believe the the ta- town was called Pearl River, mm-hmm. or it happened. Okay, yeah. Um, if that's not right, I don't care. Yes. Okay. Norman uh, Norman Ladner was, I think he was 17 years old. So mm-hmm. he's a young man. Uh, his family owned a country store, which is kind of, sounds kind of cool. Like it sounds. I, I don't. This whole situation sounds idyllic as fuck. Like they're on something like 200 acres or something. Huge lot of land. Yeah. Like yeah. They they have. Um, I mean, I live on three acres. And mm-hmm. their lot of land has a forested area mm-hmm. that is, it was what, 60 acres worth of trees? Yeah, it was a huge lot. Yes. So Norman w- would go hunting on the family property. And on sometime in August 1989, he uh, left the country, the family country store to go hunting in, uh, on the property. And unfortunately, well, he he didn't return at his the usual time around seven when he'd help close up the store. Mm-hmm. And so his parents got really worried, and his father and what a family friend with a dog went out looking for him. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, they found his body out in the woods. Mm-hmm. We get this reenactment where they they come along and they they find sort of his crumpled up form and a, his rifle and his rifle's on the ground and kind of like shattered, like the mm-hmm. stock and the barrel are not together, which seemed really strange to me, because like I th- I think at first they were suge- like there was one theory that he had been, uh, while in hunting he was in a tree and fell. Mm-hmm. Which I guess like would suggest that the the rifle hit the ground and shattered, but I don't mm-hmm. know if a rifle would. I mean, when I do Civil War reenacting, and again, this isn't a podcast about Civil War reenacting, but I use a three band infield. Like the stock and the and the the barrel come apart, but if I just dropped it from a tree, it would not. Like, there there are bands and stuff holding it all together. Uh, so it seemed like it was really strange. I was really fixated on that because I was like, is that a clue? What, what does that suggest? But basically, you know, they uh, they contact the authorities who come out, examine the area. And, of course, surprise, surprise, uh, 
uh, foul play is not uh, considered a, one of the possibilities. I think at first they were thinking it was a hunting accident, and then they came. To, the authorities decided that it was a suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, that he he, uh, which the parents were not. You know, they didn't believe this, and I guess they did their own sort of search, digging through the ground, and they found a bullet mm-hmm. that, you know, came from a rifle that was not Norman's. And, you know, they, they were trying to pursue this, this you know, the, the idea that maybe there was some foul play involved. Uh, and so at the, was it the mort- mortuary? No, the the morgue, right? Mm-hmm. City morgue. The uh, the wife was approached. The mother was approached by some random individual, who informed her that you know you. It, it gave sort of one of those threatening like you have you have kids and a lot to to care for. Maybe you should concentrate on that rather than uh, nosing around. Yeah, that's it's very strange, too. I think they go to the they go to the morgue or slash police station to sort of press the case before they start doing their own forensic work. Oh, okay, I, I I got the order uh, mixed up. I don't think yeah. it really I don't think it really matters. <laughs> no, but, no, it doesn't. Um, yeah. They yeah they found a bullet and it was like three inches underground is where they found it. But yeah. the the wife the wife mother has some very harrowing details about sifting through the dirt and there being dried brain matter and i didn't i didn't catch that she mentioned that oh man. yeah it was rugged it was totally rugged and well, they also mentioned finding uh in the near area like a tree stump that had dried blood on it so because there was a laceration on top of norman's mm-hmm. head yes and the authorities explained yeah yeah the authority authorities had a, a theory involving that but and then Later on, they uh, the father finds this bizarre radio setup thing, mm-hmm. not too like three hundred yards away. Yeah, and the I, I think the local law enforcement was pretty dismissive of it, but his friend told him to take it to some former DEA, DEA agent who was like, "Oh yeah, this is something that jet drug traffickers use to um, uh, when they're doing their drop offs and stuff." So the parents sort of come to this, develop this hypothesis that maybe Norman stumbled upon a drug smuggling operation going on uh, while hunting and unfortunately was murdered for it. Uh, yeah. It, Did this, 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 I mean, this, this has a real, this, this has a real tragedy on the tracks sort of feel exactly to it. That's exactly what I was going to say. Oh, that's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. It feels exactly like that story from Arkansas where um, those two boys were out. I think this is season one. Yeah. Yeah. Like Uh, one of our first episodes. Yeah. Those two boys were out like spotlight hunting or something at night. And then they ended up dead laying on the train tracks. Um, And then like the the local sheriffs or police department had all these different stories they kept coming up with like, Oh, they got super stoned and they took a little nap on the train. Then they died of the train. And then, I don't remember, but didn't we end up doing like a little bit of research, finding out that in fact, it, the 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 modern conclusion is that it was Did, that the boys had seen they had seen something they weren't supposed to. 
Precisely. In fact, uh, it, apparently it had some sort of connection with like a professional wrestler. Uh, had 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 some information about it. I can't recall the details now, but yes, this. Yeah, I remember it was, but I remember it was wild, and they had definitely been murdered. Yeah, th- I think that episode started the ongoing motif of local law enforcement just automatically ruling a variety of deaths, suicides, uh, in order mm-hmm. to avoid, I don't know, dealing with uh, all sorts of, you know, various crime groups and so forth. I, is it is it that they don't want to deal with crime groups or is it that they're just lazy? They're on the take? I don't, I don't even, I just think it's laziness. I think it's like, oh, well, we could look into this, but we're not going to do that. Um, I think in some cases it's also incompetence. You have some of these smaller towns, smaller county areas. They probably, you know, it's not freaking CSI over there. (laughs) They don't have a lot of resources and, you know, they're trying to. It's, you know, life isn't law and order. That's true. That's true. I think. I mean, Robbie, what do you think uh, happened here? The first possibility that came to my head was that maybe there was someone else hunting in the vicinity and they act somehow a re- stray shot or whatnot actually mm-hmm. ended up hitting Norman. Because mm-hmm. I feel like that has to be a thing that happens not too infrequently, right? Sure. I think this is... I mean, like, in the course of my mosquito job, I go into areas that I know hunting's going on, and so mm-hmm. I'm always kind of, like, a little, like, looking around. I'm like, I sure hope that, you know, when I hear the twigs snapping under my feet, they're not thinking a deer's coming by. Do you do you wear, like, a neon vest or any sort of safety gear? Uh, I have so, sort of a bright yellow-green long-sleeve shirt. I'll post a picture on the twi- Twitter and, and our social media when it comes out. I, I have this amusing picture of me uh, on the ground, uh, sort of uh, in this thick undergrowth area where I'm having to crawl around with a bucket. So I, I my assumption had been hunting accident, though considering the 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 tra- tragedy on the track segment, mm-hmm. and you know this this is in the sort of same geographical you know forested area where there's all sorts of sort of trafficking probably going on i would not be surprised if there was some foul play do you have a theory i i don't have like a specific theory i just think he was definitely murdered it might have been accidental though right right but yeah it it wasn't it doesn't feel like it was a suicide and granted we don't really know much about like what was really going on in the kid's life, but it just sort of seems like a strange setup for a suicide. And I don't like, well, he was shot in the side. Like oftentimes these suicides that these local police departments are coming or are conjuring up to explain things. They involve all sorts of weird gun positions done on, on behalf of the alleged suicidee. Uh, now, one thing I noticed mm-hmm. in the reenactment was like when they depict the person taking the mother aside and trying to intim- uh, intimidate her into not pursuing the topic. When the guy first arrives and is pointing her aside, and even after he initially turns to talk to her and you kind of see him in profile, 
for a few moments, I thought it was Dennis Farina. What? Yeah. What? I was like, fuck. Is that Farina? He did, he did have a, fr- yeah. Yeah. Fuck Farina's our, our, our model uh, here he did have on a- Reenacted. <laughs> it's, but it's also yes, yes. R.I.P. Farina. But fuck him. Uh, yeah, I noticed, I noticed the same thing. That guy had kind of a Farina vibe. The other thing I really both enjoyed and made me slightly uncomfortable about this reenactment is how involved the actual father is in reenactment. Right, I was, for, for a time, I was unsure whether it was the actual father or not in the segment itself, but it does. No, it 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 totally is. I know the whole credo of Unsolved Mysteries is they try to get the people involved. Whenever possible. But I always understand, like, if it's a parent, you probably, and they're, kid was killed maybe they don't want to reenact that situation unless you're a very upper class woman in god what was the 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 one with the yeah tennis. Well, we don't we don't know that um what's his name was killed our running theory is he ran away to start a new life oh that's right i keep forgetting about that but still that doesn't change the fact that his mom the mom was <laughs> clearly like, don't, don't make me act don't make me do it. No, I won't. I will. Uh, that's, exactly what it was. that's a that's a nice nice recreation of her. Uh, Robbie. Yeah. Do you have anything else to say about the segment? I don't think I noticed anything else in the actual reenactment. Um, yeah. So we're going with definitely not a suicide on this one. Definitely not. That's our that's our judgment. And and unfortunately, it was not resolved. Well, yep, no no update on that one. Which is going to be a bit of a pattern in this Mm. episode. Mm. It's a real real bunch of unsolved mysteries we've got here. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. Crystal, tell us about what it's like to be a trucker. Uh, it's, it can be real lonely. All you know. night long. Da, 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 da. Uh, but you know, you know who really loved being a trucker? It was Dwayne McCorkendale. Mm-hmm. He loved his life on the road. Um, he loved his wife. And he, he loved his uh, young child as well. And uh, one night, Dale is... Uh, trucking (laughs) yeah and he stops to at a rest stop in oklahoma i believe that is the case all right a rest stop in oklahoma to use the remember kids this is prior to cell phones (laughs) we didn't have those then Um, i'm sure you have seen some telephone booths somewhere if only in film they yeah they definitely exist so he pulls over at a rest stop to make a phone call uh, and we know this because dale was phoning in his uh location i guess i don't know what he was doing i this is this is a weird segment Maybe he was just talking to his family. Maybe he just wanted to talk to his family. He's on that old CB radio, and uh, I guess he lets the, f- the the entire fleet of long-distance truckers in the United States at the time, because I really don't know how CB radio works, that he's going to make, he's going he's gonna to call the old wife at the rest stop. So he pulls over, he's getting his change out of his pocket. Bam. Shot, shot at the phone booth. Yeah. Change goes everywhere. 
everywhere. Uh, so that's that's basically the information we have. Um, we suspect that Dale had maybe $25 on him total. The people who shot him took his wallet and keys. Yeah, his wife was like, just, you know, she, she pointed out how ironic this, this was, that he was murdered for money when he deliberately did not carry much cash with him mm-hmm. because apparently, I guess, this is something that truckers are in danger yeah. of, is people robbing well, them for cash. That that makes sense to me. Um, you know, the wife yeah. also mentions <clears throat> if it had been a proper mugging that Dwayne would obviously just hand it over his wallet. I mean, he's not going to die for $25. He would just hand it over the money. Yeah. Uh, so we, so we really don't have any leads until the, uh, unofficial highway patrol, the men and women of the, uh, long haul, the interstates (laughs) start putting their heads together and they say, you know what? Hey, there was this Brown Camaro. I thought it was a Pinto. Brown, yep, it was a Pinto. There was this <laughs> Camaro is a much nicer car than a Pinto is. There's this brown Pinto uh, all over the place trying to cut off truckers and all this stuff. There's a uh, one of the truckers that they interview had run into this sort of sketchy young woman in a parking lot who was trying to hit him up for some money to get get her fix of whatever she needed. Drugs drugs and she ended up like talking to this guy and ending up like halfway in the cabin of his vehicle yeah he, it, it was a very unnerving like if i had been in this position i would have been pretty uncomfortable with that uh yeah the reenactment's just really awkward and and so the young, i like i like how the that that particular dr- driver's dressed though i think his name was ed Heitkamp. he's wearing a bolo tie isn't he uh well i well what i know am i he fantasizing had a, that no, no, he had a cowboy hat and he had one of those leather vests. Yeah, in the reenactment, it's he looks like freaking Charlie Daniels. Um, when they <laughs> interview him, he's just wearing a cowboy hat and a collared shirt. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so this young woman's halfway in this guy's uh, cab, and then the then here comes the brown pinto, and she jumps out of the cab and gets into the brown pinto, and then uh, was a third trucker. Or, was it Dale? I only remember remember two truck incidents that mm-hmm. identified the Pinto. Mm-hmm. Well, there's this, uh, yeah, this Pinto driving all crazy, and I guess they also have a CB radio in the Pinto. Yeah, that that was what's interesting because when they showed the Pinto cutting off the uh, prior truck driver they interviewed, they in the reenactment they depict him picking up the CB CB and being like, "Hey, what what's your problem?" Mm-hmm. And they answer back. And that that was I found that really interesting. I, I began to really think like, how prolific were CBs back in the late eighties? Like not only did this Pinto have one in in it, but the truck driver thought that there was enough possibility that they would that he went ahead and addressed them through the CB. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, it's really strange because the trucker is ostensibly yelling, "Hey, what are you doing?" Right. At like like any of us would when we were driving. If someone right. was driving crazy in front of us. And and it, it's very strange to get a response. And man, they get he gets a response. They're like, Yeah, hey, we'll do whatever we want. We like we cut dry, truck drivers off all the time and you mess with us, you'll be in trouble because we've already killed one truck driver. I feel Which, like uh yeah, that was probably some creative license taken on the part of <laughs> 
the truck. You may you may have been embellishing a, a little bit. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But certainly, what we have is a couple of brown pinto related incidents involving truck drivers mm-hmm. within a very short span of time and within the, basically that same geographical area. So it is not unreasonable to to suspect that maybe they might have had something to do with Dwayne's uh, mm-hmm. murder. And the the Oklahoma Bureau of Investigation, I mean, they want they want to find the the drivers of the Pinto, and you know, at, at the very least, so that they can just cross them off as a potential lead. Do you think um, Pinto's like a st- maybe a extra option you could get at the dealership is a CB radio installed? In nowadays, do people still other than trucker? Do truckers even still use CBs, or do they have some new technology? I think they're still on CBs, but no, I, the Pintos don't exist anymore. It's not a model <laughs> that's made. I was just wondering if maybe back in the eighties, like how, like uh, I the, the reason I based thought off of, how prolific the. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking, like, my grandpa had this like Mercury sedan situation in the late '80s, early '90s, and it had a car phone. Oh, interesting. So I'm wondering if, like, maybe the the Pinto came with a CP radio. Uh, I remember my mom got a CB installed in our old white box van. Uh, she she was thinking that she would use the Elias Tiger Lady. Holy yeah. shit! What way to bury the lead? <laughs> so, so sorry. CP radio. I gosh, I guess I should have mentioned that earlier. I, I didn't even. I wasn't even planning on mentioning it. Uh, I guess I should have. Uh, yeah, uh, though I don't think we ever used it. <laughs> That is that is something that is not uncommon in my bloodline. Is unused CB radios and aliases? Uh, just sort of unu unutilized or unrealized plans and items that are acquired. Mm. Uh, it's kind of like the generator my mom and I bought for Y two K, and yeah. and d- yeah. didn't use. <laughs> nice, a nice plug for our Patreon only. Uh. Yeah, if you Episode if there. you join Patreon and give us five dollars a month, you can hear our special Y two K episode. It's true. I want to wind us back because uh, we have this really awesome stack introduction where he's talking about just mm-hmm. the life of truckers, you know, from mm-hmm. Boston to Burbank and Sa- and San Antonio to Seattle. Mm-hmm. Did you catch that he said San Antonio? <laughs> I did. <laughs> which at first I was like, is that a mistake? But I looked it up. Apparently uh-huh. there is, there is a certain, uh, there's a certain segment of Texas that does call San Antonio, San Antone. Mm-hmm. I guess it's like, it's sort of an urban rural divide thing. Mm. I don't, I, I, I only just sort of read it briefly on like Wikipedia or something. Um, who do we know that's in Texas? Is Hel- Helen's in Texas, right? Helen. H- Helen. Is it San Antonio or San Antone? Please, ex- please, please, please explain it to us. Go ahead and leave a a, a thing on our our Twitter. Yeah, leave us a voicemail. Yeah. <laughs> voice Call us on your CB radio, Helen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, I have to admit, I, I'm I'm a little bit ashamed of myself. Uh, at one point in the past, 
many months ago mm-hmm. using the I was using the pods Twitter account mm-hmm. and I think I was interacting with Helen mm-hmm. and I called her Heather. Oh, you fucked up. <laughs> I fucked up big. She was very gracious. It's like uh, she she answered whatever question or whatever I posed. And mm-hmm. then she was like, "Oh, by the way, my name's Ellen." <laughs> um, do you want to do you want to use this opportunity to apologize to her on air? Um, Helen Connor, can we get some apology music? Okay, great. Go ahead, Robbie. Helen, I'm so so sorry that I called you Heather. You're not Heather. You're Helen. And. If you'll forgive us, we like to continue to make Unsolved Mysteries episodes for you. <laughs> and you alone, because God knows no one else is listening to this. Uh, hey, hey, Robbie, you know what's by uh, old San Antonio? Oh, New Mexico! I know that Texas and New Mexico are border states to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, we're going to talk about a church... That's run by a bunch of asshole nuns in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Wow, uh, coming uh, yeah. on strong. Coming out hot, coming out hot. I got a lot of opinions on these nuns. Okay. okay. Um, so, back in the 18-whatevers, let's say 60s, 50s, 40s. F- 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 I, I think 50s, because I, I, I distinctly remembered that the date they gave was prior to the American Civil War. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Year, years, years that I'm very familiar with from, from all the time I've spent Civil War reenacting. I'm, you know, I'm glad you're here because I really wasn't paying attention. Yeah. But what I do know is that there were seven to nine nuns uh, who were of the order of Loreto or Loretto. Yeah. I don't what, I'm not really sure what, what that is. Uh, but they were in Kentucky and they, they heard about this town, Santa Fe, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, it's actually a very old city. Um, right. But we, we won't get into that. For the sake of Unsolved Mysteries, it's it's the wild, wild west. It's the frontier. Wild, wild west. Who can even say what is happening there? It's full of just whores and, and robbers Well, they, they, and they definitely give the impression that it was, it, it was the, the front, you know, the very edge of law, law mm. of, of any sort of law and order. And there, there are all yeah. sorts of characters there, yes. Yeah, yeah, mostly whores and thieves. <laughs> this is the second time you've meant you you've you've been let off with whores. Listen, this is just what I remember the segment being about. So, okay. so the sisters of Laredo, there's a pack of nine. Um, they they head out and and what happens is one of the sisters doesn't doesn't make it. She dies of dysentery. Um, so R.I.P. Pepperoni and cheese. And. Uh, <laughs> And then uh, one of the other sisters is just like, nah, no thanks, and heads back to Kentucky. So I think they end up with five to seven. I don't remember what the original starting number was. So, anyway. so basically an average performance on Oregon Trail. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, they survived on salt pork and determination, and they made it to Santa Fe, and they built a very attractive little chapel, and they started to educate the, the whore's children. Um <laughs> because uh, I can't imagine any families there being there with the way they described Santa Fe being back then. Oh wow! 
Gosh. And, yeah. I know what's, I know Santa Fe is, listen, here's the real story that Unsolved Mysteries wasn't telling us. Santa Fe is actually a very old city. Mm-hmm. Um, it was pretty well established. I would say as far as things go in the Wild West, it was probably the least wild of the Wild West. Oh. It, it was, you know, it wasn't one of these forts or whatever, or these spring up towns that's now Gus right. Town. It was a city for a very long time before the sisters got there. Anyway, so that doesn't really fit the narrative. They're bringing civilization to Santa Fe, New Mexico, and so they build a chapel. Well, here's the thing. The choir balcony, uh, <laughs> they forgot to put the stairs up there. They couldn't get up there to sing their songs. I, I like the expl- the excuse they give too, like, oh well, you know, many churches around in in the Southwest uh, didn't have stairs. They because people would just use ladders, but they couldn't use a ladder because of their dresses. So that's, it still doesn't excuse. Right. Yeah, so it still doesn't excuse them for for not thinking to install the stairs. Yeah, and uh, so they're like, well, what are we gonna do? And Unsolved Mysteries actually shows us some proposed floor plans about how to get some stairs to the choir balcony. Mm-hmm. Is that what it's called? Choir balcony? I think, uh, if not, I, I, it's close enough. Okay. It, you're, you're describing the act- the function of it. They, they, yeah. they want to go up there to sing. They want to go up there to sing, and they can't get up there because of the robes and the ladders. It's just, it's a whole thing. So the sisters get together, and they have some sort of... Uh, prayer uh nine days of pr- pr- it's like fasting and prayer and meditation and uh they they pray i think to saint joseph who is i believe you are correct patron saint of carpenters because who was joseph yes he was the father not the holy father but the the actual dad of jesus and he was a carpenter and i have I'm mostly done with my Paloma and I'm kind of drunk at this point. I am sorry. (laughs) I will continue. They're praying to St. Joseph. They're like, Lord, give us a, give us a stair case. Mm -hmm. And, uh, three, three days go by where they're having this sort of meditation situation and they get a knock at the chapel door. And it's a man that says, I will build your staircase. And they go, okay, man and uh he only used three tools to build the staircase um now let me describe the staircase to the people who did not watch along uh, this episode it is uh, beautiful absolutely mm-hmm. beautiful it, oh, yeah. it appears that many parts of it are carved out of one piece of wood it is a, is a, sm- a tight spiral staircase it has exactly 33 steps from the bottom to the uh, choir loft uh which is important because those are the number of years that jesus christ was alive on this earth mm-hmm. 33 years uh, but it's it's absolutely stunning it's a, it's a beautiful piece of craftsmanship and a lot of tourists now come to visit the chapel uh in santa fe just kind of to see the staircase it's it's really incredible i'm telling you like look it up okay uh so so that's the legend well here comes some asshole like a hundred years later saying you know what i think i think it was my norwegian swedish uh, swiss grandfather (laughs) who was traveling around the you know i found his box of tools i found some sketches that he did uh, that look a lot like this staircase in fact there's 33 numbered steps on it um he was in the area at the time uh and and we we and i think my grandfather 
was the guy. You sound a little incredulous over the possibility that <laughs> over this possibility, which you know, I admit I was a little scoffing at this as well, because to me it's it was all just a little too convenient. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, as as did the nuns. The nuns are like, nah, buddy. It wasn't your grandfather that you can totally prove was in the area and had the craftsmanship skills to actually get this done who did this. No, sir. It was a uh, fictional man with three tools <laughs> uh, who we didn't pay, uh, who, who got the staircase done. You, you got to get out of here. Get out of here with that story. So anyway, so the guy... Oh, wait, who, so you think it actually was the guy's yeah, grandfather? Yeah, of course I think it... I don't oh. think somebody oh, okay. came out of the blue... And also the other th- the other thing I have to point out is like the wood used in this uh, would have been very expensive at the time. There's no way the nuns just had some guy come in and do this for free. I think it makes for a very nice story. Ah. Uh. But the nuns are like so married to this story that here comes a guy with like all this evidence that his grandfather pr- probably was the one that built it, and they're like, "No, dude. It was because we it was because we prayed for it." And I just think the nuns are kind of being dicks. <laughs> I uh, I appreciate your unvarnished opinion on this. That's I, a good wood pun. Did you know you made a really good wood pun just right now? <laughs> no, that was totally unintentional. As is all my best comedy on this podcast is Spec- completely unintentional. Spectacular. <laughs> so, Robbie, yeah. you you don't think that's what happened? You don't think it was this guy's Swiss, Norwegian, Swedish woodworking grandfather that did all this? Oh, I don't know. I guess, I guess, I guess it probably was. I mean, who else did it, right? I mean, because like the guy didn't accept any payment. Who? What mm. crazy? What crazy nutcase does that? Yeah. I was for for a moment. I well, my I I do have one hypothesis. Mm-hmm. See, the carpenter who made the staircase. The world believes he's dead. Mm. And he yeah, must well, let the world. Like- keep believing that he's dead until he can find a way to control the raging spirit that resides inside of him which by the way Connor if you can drop something some musical cue from the Incredible Hulk TV series from the 70s in there that would be great (laughs) no because this is the sort of thing that would happen in the old Incredible Hulk TV show Bill Bixby would be traveling through some town and someone needed help doing something, and he would, you know, fix their farmhouse or something. I mean, you just, all you need to do is just drop in some sort of antagonist, like some guy who's trying to buy the property, and a total green monster freak out. And this is a, this is an episode of, of the Incredible Hulk TV show. Huh. I didn't, I didn't know that the Hulk was a, a carpenter. Well, did you see Endgame? He could he was able to like build a time travel device. I think he could handle making a staircase. It's a pretty nice staircase, Robbie. Yeah, that is a pretty nice staircase. The wood is just beautifully fitted together and Man, that guy's really grandfather. That man's gr- that guy's grandfather was a pretty good carpenter. <laughs> yeah, no, this staircase is uh, something else. Maybe, maybe when I'm driving through uh, on my way to uh, 
drop off the ashes of all my relatives and friends. Maybe I should swing by Santa Fe and, uh, I don't know, like, carve something in the staircase, like, made by (laughs) so-and-so. I'm not actually going to do that. Please do not arrest me, any law enforcement people listening. Do you want to talk about uh, kidnap girls? Not really, but we kind of have to. This segment is mercifully short. Uh, This goes back to the early 80s. A young girl named Nileen Marshall was... uh, She was, what, uh, camping? No, having a picnic with her family out in the Helena National Forest. Right? I, the way this is described, it sounds like there's a bunch of small children just running around in the forest and supervised. Right, like it's it's kind of like there's a picnic with like a big extended family. You got kids running around the forest, as would what would be happening if like three or four or five families are all camping together, and you know they don't want to they don't want to have to listen to their kids. So the, the kids, you know, they're off doing running around the woods like kids do, and. Two, two of these kids see some guy in a tracksuit sort of emerge from the woods and approach Nileen and start talking with her. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't, couldn't I, I guess they overheard him saying something like playing a game called Follow the Shadow. Which yeah, the, just, the guy's like, hey, do you want to do you want to play a new game? It's called called Follow the Shadow. And then he like points to a shadow on the ground and makes the kid go over there, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it totally sounds like the sort of game that a kid kidnapper would throw out for a kid to, like, start getting, start doing so in order to facilitate an abduction. Uh, And so, unfortunately, young Nileen Marshall is kidnapped. Uh, Sometime later, the family start receiving letters. Mm -hmm. And these are some really, and phone calls as well. It's it's not the family, it's the like National Center for Missing Children or something that starts getting these letters and phone calls. How did I miss that? I, I they went over it really quickly, but it's not. I, okay. He doesn't seem to appear to be actually taunting the family. He seems to be taunting the authorities. Oh, okay. Uh, still an asshole either way. Even even if he is the kidnapper or is not, uh. uh asshole move and yeah these letters are unfortunately they are of a highly suggestive nature mm-hmm. um like before the, the unsolved mysteries even starts talking about it because they they flash like part of one on a screen and i heard i i this distinctly saw the words snuggles and hugs yeah and, it's, re- it's real gross and i was like oh no mm-hmm. oh no this is uh, it's bad news. It's bad yeah. news. And uh, they were able to track down the calls to a specific phone booth. Um, but yeah, and we we get a very a very deceptive thing at the end of the segment where they have that update screen. Mm-hmm. But we do not get an update. What we get is an age progression picture of Nileen yeah. if she was at the age of 33. Yeah. It was, uh, I had this brief moment of hope when I saw the update screen. I was like, oh, yeah. thank God. At least, like, even if, if she had been found dead, her family got some sort of resolution. But no, 
uh, this this we 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 had uh, four segments uh, this uh, episode. Three of them were you know wanted or missing people, mm-hmm. and not a single resolution to one of them. No, nope, we didn't even uh, get a resolution on the staircase thing. Right, right. Well, I mean, we basically I feel like I did. I feel yeah, like yeah, I yeah. Got we, a we, we we basically know the guy. Uh, the guy uh, did it. Uh, I did do some uh, research on the unsolved mysteries wiki on this one because mm-hmm. on, on Nyleen or the staircase on Nyleen. Okay. And here's a little uh, something. Have we? And actually, I wanted to ask you this. This will be two episodes in a row now that I have asked you a question like this. Do you recall us doing covering a segment about a kidnapped girl named Monica Bonilla? Bonilla? Um, maybe maybe we haven't come across it. It's just the name no, sounded... No, I don't think so. No. The name sounded familiar enough that I thought maybe we... Okay, so here's an interesting thing. When this mm. segment aired... Uh, I, and I think at the time the uh, the the girl would have been projected to be what in her early teens, right? Mm-hmm. Someone, a viewer who was uh, a viewer actually gave a tip. They were someone who thought they were a schoolmate of Nyleen. That she this girl was at going attending his school. Hmm. The police the police investigated. It was not Nyleen, unfortunately, but it was actually another missing child named Monica Bonilla, oh, wow. who, who was also featured on Unsolved Mysteries. What? Yeah. Wow. So, so Unsolved Mysteries, I guess, kind of uh, uh, they 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 gave themselves an assist in solving a different mystery with this one. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, well, I I hope we uh, I hope we get to we, Monica Bonilla. You said. Yeah. I hope we get to that one soon. Yeah. So we can we can talk about this this one again. Totally. Well, at least something good came of it. Right. Right. This segment, but still, I would like to know what happened to Eileen. Yeah. What a bummer. God. Yeah. I uh, we started out pretty, uh, pretty pretty high on this episode with our yeah. talks of corn dogs and. 10 pounds of ice cream, and uh, maybe we needed that to get through this yeah. very depressing... This is the second one in a row like that, too, right? Yeah, it is. Uh, Robbie, you know what would make me less depressed? If the people this? listening to this podcast went on iTunes and gave us five stars... You know rate- me so well. <laughs> that would make me so happy. So, so happy. Guys, it's like, you know how you have to clap for Tinkerbell? Mm-hmm. It's it's like that with us, but five star reviews on iTunes. It keeps yeah. us going. Yes. Um, I also want to say thank you. We got uh, some new patrons, one or two new patrons this uh, recently. Very what? Grateful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we are now actually, at least as far as hosting fees go, sustaining ourselves and income. Oh my God! We, we did it, we Crystal. Did it. We did it. We, we did, did it. it. So thank <laughs> you to the Patreons, you to the Rumpers, man. You guys fucking rule. Uh, oh, and thanks, thanks man. to everybody else who's like, you know, maybe maybe you can't chip in right now, but like you're out there and you're listening and you're telling your friends about us, and that's cool too. We love that. 
And uh, what else? Oh, social media, right? Yes. Get on, get on that. We got that Facebook thing going that Alyssa set up. Yes. Uh, go to, on Facebook, re- reenacted podcast fans. I think maybe I'm screwing that up ter- terribly. We also have a, a, a Facebook page that is for reenacted and unsolved mysteries podcast, mm-hmm. but that's not mm-hmm. as cool. Uh, and we're on Twitter at reenacted pod. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we try to like keep that semi interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Try to keep it sexy over there. Uh, and also if you want to send us a love note, we, we do read them occasionally on the podcast. We're reenacted pod at gmail.com. Also big thanks to Connor in New York city, New York city, uh, for being our producer and, and making us sound a little bit more professional these days. Do you have anything else? Um, you know, I've uh, I've been going through a pretty rough patch this last year. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, Robbie. And I just uh, I really I really enjoy doing this podcast with you. Aww. And I'm grateful for all the people who listen to us and who go on iTunes and give us five stars, rate and review the <laughs> podcast. I think we said that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was just saying it to emphasize the uh yeah, so um that's all I have to say. Do you wanna do the thing? Yes. For every mystery join us next next time uh, for another edition of Unsolved Mysteries. Great. <laughs>